The following television show is entirely fictitious. Any similarity to the history of any person living or dead? Who does the voice of this guy? That's Kevin Richardson? Kevin Richardson. It is Kevin again. Who did this all? I guess, again, this is illegal, but I think he did this all for free. <laughs> or we backbilled. I'm not you sure. You wonder why there's going to be a SAG strike. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started. Look at us breaking the third wall. I'm Randall. Recognizing the cartoon as a cartoon or as a TV show. Thank you. We've been getting a lot of fan mail lately, and we thought tonight it might be fun. To oh, we're watching again, aren't we? I know. We, we just fall into the trap of watching. Is the line getting thicker around the characters? Is it it does seem very thick there. The mark of a great show is when the creators are just in love with it. <laughs> Jen Schwabach is my wife. That was her name. I got that into the show, but it never aired, so... Uh, I never got laid off of that. If you go to the uh, Clerks, the animated show website, mm. which, which is, is housed at www.viewsq.com. It yeah, is we frozen in time. Oh, that's awesome. There's a promo <laughs> that. that this is the next episode that's going to air. And it just says, like, coming next week, the virus episode. Right, right. Well, made it in TV Guide, right? I think uh, yes, I think so. For a couple of the TV guides that you get in your paper, it was in for, like, four more weeks. Lando was our black character, voiced by um, Mario Joyner. Yeah, Mario, who is the great Mario Joyner, just hilarious. Hey Lando, say what up? And we intended to use him, use him as the voice of Black Wisdom throughout our run on the series, which was two episodes. Yeah, <laughs> was with the dogs, woman. But this, that really works. The Lando joke works in this episode pretty well. Yeah, and it does repeat a lot, which is also good. Everything works when it's in order. Look at the naked girls back there. Yeah. Hello. That's why the show never got aired. This was a scene, that shot of him sleeping under the counter, that drove the Koreans insane. It just seemed like... Man, no sleep under the counter! <laughs> they just had no idea of what the joke was. And I remember the, it came back, and it looked like the counter was a room, so the counter was like 11 feet tall, and they just couldn't... There were just certain things where they were just like, why? Chris? <laughs> yeah, you know, I actually don't remember that oh, it, controversy. We'll have to pick one that's more indelible. They uh, seemed... It was always funny, like, the big things that mind. they always had trouble with were things like, uh, like the right where like if you were sending them a design where it said quick stop they didn't they could copy it but they didn't know what a quick stop was or is and so sometimes you would just like they weren't copying it that well and it was like oh it won't matter what letter we put here and so you would just yeah, get so these, at one point it was quilk stop yeah it's just like like oh one letter is as good as another quilk stop <laughs> quick stop who cares well i i think they're Your just show never air. <laughs> they're just getting hounded to make this stuff so quickly sometimes they send it out we'd we'd get uh, shows back where the wrong characters would be speaking the lines where they wouldn't be painted I don't really think they think twice about it. The way the the shows were done were um, they were different animation teams in Korea. Right. There, were there was three. Team 1, Team 2, and then there was later, I guess, a third team. And after the first two shows came back, it was clear that, what was it, Team 2 was better and Team 1 wasn't. What's funny is that uh, we sent a test out to a bunch of studios to uh, see who to award the show to. And this one uh, studio won it, and we said, "Well, we want that director for the show." And the test was really terrific. Show one came back, and it, you know, wasn't great. And we figured that, well, you know, it's the first show, maybe that's to be expected. Second show came back, and it looked terrific. It was what we had in mind. Third show came back, wasn't great again. We found out it was that original director who actually got the studio the show. So, uh, so we had to fire him. That was animator Han. That was director Han. Director Han. Yeah, but we there were three teams. We went to Korea. 
area, and and we called them sleepy, grumpy, and and. Uh, and happy. One guy, and Han was Mr. Happy. The other two guys, I'm not quite sure what their names were. When we fired Han, which was much disgrace to well, his family. Well, we fired him, but then, <laughs> then when show six came back, there were a lot of Han-isms that were creeping back into the show. It turns out they didn't really fire him. They just put uh, Sleepy and Grumpy, you know, teamed him up, uh, teamed him up with Han to help You think show. I gone? I don't leave. <laughs> now, I not fire you, me. Barry? I fire you. Well, they were probably afraid he'd commit suicide or something. We're making a movie. Gilbert. But he had the now, last laugh. Do you know laugh. how many times, Dave, you Chris Bailey, you fired! <laughs> we see you episode air twice! <laughs> now, now, watching this part, just the pain comes back of uh, redoing the uh, the Patrick Swayze caricature until it didn't resemble Patrick Swayze at all. Uh, they drove us crazy with this. And we tried to get Patrick Swayze, who uh, his lawyer said uh, we just absolutely refuse to do something like this and that uh, he has no sense of humor about any of this. On the grounds, and also they didn't want to portray Patrick as having working in a pet store because uh, his, it would it would imply that his career had taken a turn for the worse. And we were like, "And isn't that truthful?" <laughs> it was the one honest joke we had in the movie. There was a joke TV later show. at the end. Oh, by the way, we should just make a we Dan Etheridge. Dan Etheridge is Mr. Plug, Mr. Plug, who has an incredible scene coming up later where he is just wonderful, which we'll mention. <laughs> but uh, he really was great. Um, but uh, with Patrick Swayze, later there's a line at the end of the show when uh, when they leave um, where he says goodbye and he's going off to make a movie. And it's like, I'm, and then he says, I'm not really in the movie. Um, and they were just obsessed with like, he has to be in a movie. He can't <laughs> not be working. This was uh, legal, again, saying like he could sue if he's not in a movie. And I was like, but he's not in movies. Emergency coming through. Stand aside. What happened? That filthy monkey bit him. Get me a rag, a needle, and some fishing line. I'm going to have to field dress. That's a great read. Yeah, Etheridge isn't okay. even a cartoon voice guy. I mean, none of us were, but, but Etheridge uh, was yet another one of us that wasn't really a, car a cartoon guy. He's a producer in real life. But uh, the funniest thing was his story, which was he was at... Was he at Yale Drama School or mm -hmm. just regular Yale? Yeah, no, he was at Yale, but he was he was big into drama, and he uh, he would get the leads in the plays, and another guy named Ed Norton would be like cop two, <laughs> and also Paul Giamatti. As yeah, well, Giamatti was the other guy. Was yeah. like cop three, and, and he's like, I don't lead. know what happened. <laughs> no, now get out, out. Because we tried to get Ed Norton as cop number two also and would not do it. Well, he insisted on directing. <laughs> and making Dante a rabbi and Randall a priest. <laughs> Which I was all for, but uh, network wouldn't go for it. That was from Jaws. Hey again, Lando. Hey again, Randall. Discreto burritos. We never did that t-shirt. No, we never got to do many t-shirts at all. We had one t-shirt for the show um, that you made, didn't you, Dig? Yeah. Um, and it, it had a picture of... Um, oh, we have to stop real quick. Good. This is real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because Dustin Hoffman had sued someone over some picture or something, this, this is real. It was originally we wanted just Dustin Hoffman because he was in the movie Outbreak. And then they wouldn't let us use his face, so we used Al Pacino. But that's a real reason why we sort of tried to cover it. But it wound up being funny. Yeah, but it was just joke. like they really... The obsession with being sued was just amazing. How are you? Uh-huh. Anyway. Um, the uh, the one shirt we, that was ever made would, that would basically said what clerks the first six and had the Silent Bob picture up front and on the back it, it said uh, 
Nothing Can Kill the Grimace, which actually comes from this comes show. Comes from this episode. This, by the way, I thought was some of the best animation in the entire show, for whatever that's worth to you, Chris. No, I thought this was one of the best-looking shows. They finally started uh, hitting their stride. Once we fired and disgraced <laughs> well, <laughs> animator Han. Well, Alan Bodner, who was the art director, he went with me to Korea. And, yes, but uh, it was also the ritualistic rape of animator Han's family <laughs> that, that put them in line. I remember he wrote us a letter saying well, how dishonorable that was. Well, examples are important to set. The foot binding also. James Woods, huh? James Woods, we got some more talent on the picture. That was excellent. Uh, the the head of casting, uh, what was his name? Jamie. Jamie, yeah. I guess uh, new... Uh, James, Mr. Woods, from his, some of his other animation work. Which and we can say, I mean, he was the voice yeah. of uh, Hades. Hades, where he on was the incredible. Ver- in the movie and also on the uh, the TV show, the uh, the uh, Hercules TV show they did. And he was, we he convinced him to come in because of that. And he was so wonderful. And Kevin, you really gave him the best note, which you sort of just said to him, be James Woods. Because <laughs> originally he was being more sort of slower and military-like. Oh, real quick note here on these robot lines. When Dan was recording these, every time he would do the robot lines, yeah. he would touch his chest as if he were opening an actual... He did act out the part. Yeah, yeah he, really he would did. always do that. He would touch <laughs> a robot expression, and he would touch his chest, and it was a very nice little moment, a real acting moment. The Two Giggling Girls is the first appearance, and it was a running joke as well. Which, of course, didn't work because they aired the second appearance of the Giggling Girls first. Yeah, the Giggling Girls saw the air, didn't they? They did in the courtroom in episode, episode four. Yeah. A year ago, the, and the one Giggling Girl was the voice of Batgirl, wasn't she? Yes, uh, Tara, Tara yeah. something. And this was April, who was wonderful. April was great. April does a lot of women's voices throughout our shows. She really uh, made us laugh. And Tova Hernandez Carlson was your joke, which was great. We go now to City Hall. Ladies and gentlemen, the mayor. Good afternoon. I'm sorry. I was. This is Al Franken, by the way. SNL, uh, f- former, well, original writer. Original writer. SNL. And uh, actually, the person who got me hired at Saturday Night Live originally, I guess my mentor, for lack of a better word. And, and, he, and he, wrote, wrote, he wrote Rush Limbaugh's A Big Fat Idiot. Which is excellent. So there you go, Al. Thank you. When he did this thing, the first time he did it, he was sort of, I don't know, he was doing a voice and it was funny and stuff. And I think I said to him, uh, do it a little more like his Al D'Amato impression. And I think Al's, even though D'Amato is Italian, Al sort of, I, I sort of was like, you know, do it more sort of annoying and whatnot. And I think Al's response was, okay, so do it up. And he sort of did it, that kind of, uh, hi there, uh, we're sorry. But uh, anyway, I was going to say, we really like, we were sort of, when we were talking about the mayor. So let's see, we've offended Koreans and Jews. Well, we already offended the Jews, so... <laughs> And maybe Al didn't exactly say that. Maybe I mumbled it, but I don't know. Al was calling his lawyer as we speak. (laughs) I want you to choose a suitable picture for my obituary. How about this um, one? No. Now we've offended gays. Oh, and real quick, just because we can, because this is a commentary and we're filling time, but uh, the tall man in those two pictures is a writer named Ian Maxstone Graham, who's a writer, you see his name on The Simpsons Simpsons, and on Old Saturday Night Live. And Ian actually, uh, he's a friend of mine, and one day uh, a book came out on Studio 54, and in the book is a picture of like... uh, 
you want. Andy Warhol, like standing on the balcony, and Ian is standing holding a drink like near him, which just fascinated me. So when we were doing this joke, it was always add a tall guy to it, which is sort of a joke for three, which is really the best kind of joke in the world. But uh, Ian never saw the show. <laughs> no, Ian it, never. Did not a fan. But uh, <laughs> the guy doing the voice here, oh, not yet. In a minute, right? In the minute, the guy who's he plays the guy taking the uh, taking the order, the fast food guy. Here it comes. I thought you said two cheeseburgers. With That's Dana Gould, who Here's is the uh, here. Why don't you just wipe it off? Great line, Randy. <laughs> and Dana really helped us early on by just like laying down a lot of like sample tracks for us when we had no. It was cast. also there for some of the original reads. Read throughs too, like when we didn't have a Leonardo Leonardo yet, we hadn't gotten Alec Baldwin. Uh, he did it and really like laid down a lot of the attitude and the ideas and he really bailed us out and he's a hilarious stand-up actually he's a writer on the simpsons now himself he got a job there I think. dana did yeah he's and he's absolutely hilarious and he's done a couple of shows that are just wonderful uh, of his own actually we should point out what the the reads in order to make a cartoon is a multi-step process and um one of the first things you do of course is write it and then when you got a script all together you sit down well i don't know if and it's normal just but real quick i just before we even do that the way we would sort of work is kevin and i sort of just like would split up the scripts usually like mm. almost sometimes like half and half and then basically just take turns rewriting basically and just getting it to where we like the script and at that point then it went forward from there and we would also do these things where we'd write the script and then we'd have like a round table where we'd kind of sit in the room and punch up with steve Luckner and um brian kelly and brian yeah. kelly and um, throw out Steve and Brian with the I guess they got big TV background, correct? Like yes. Brian used to write for News Radio, News Radio, which and Steve has written for every. Steve has been fired from more shows than and any it, other man alive. It was an amazing <laughs> process, and they're very funny guys. But it was an amazing process to me and Mosier because we I, I've never written collaboratively, so it was the first time I was writing collaboratively. But we would sit there and, and watch like these guys throw out a million jokes, and one joke would make the script, and it was just like. How, how does somebody live like that? But I mean, they're just used to it. But it's great because it's like you're not expected to like if you throw out the first joke and it stinks, mm -hmm. no one cares. Mm -hmm. And just it puts some of the better thing. I mean, it was out of one of those sessions that the we originally with the whole mayor and the police chief right. which is coming up. Um, we were sort of trying to figure out how can you do a mayor at this point when the Simpsons have Mayor Quimby and South Park has a female mayor and we just didn't know really what to do because it just seemed like all the types are taken. Right. And I think it came out of, I think it may have even been from Steve Luckner actually, just this crazy idea of Mayor McCheese and we sort of landed on this idea of that our mayor would always be in costume. This first episode it would be these McDonald's costumes and then later on he would always have the excuse of whatever happened he had just been going to or coming from a costume party. <laughs> and he party. had to rush to the press conference. He rushed conference to the press conference and, he and get out of his costume. the zipper was jammed. And that was going to be a running joke. That And from that came Big Mac who comes later com on. Coming up. And, and then, then in the Big Mac joke, that joke got longer and longer just by everyone sitting around and throwing out like joke after joke. Because once you have Big Mac, <laughs> right, you just got to keep going. 
which has that has, is f- responsible for that great line coming up about no, nothing could kill the grimace. And we had to go to the McDonald's people and convince them, which actually was probably a pretty big to do. I mean, they really did look at this, mm-hmm. and uh, they they went with it, which I, I give them a tremendous amount of credit for. And they hooked us up with character designs mm-hmm. of like what their characters looked like. But at first, there was that step where they were like, "Well, we can't. You can't say nothing can kill the grimace." Right. But we made the argument of like, "But we're saying the, grimace, the grimace is so, so powerful, powerful <laughs> that so nothing." Can kill the Grimace. The joke works in McDonald's favor. You 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 just have that much power. Your characters are that powerful, and they're like, yeah, yeah, all right, run with it. White Lando. I Where does like, one meet the McDonald's people? That's a good they don't. Question. You only talk to them on the phone. Here it is. <laughs> it's a little box, like in Charlie's Angels. By the way, doing the voice here and doing voices all throughout the show is uh, Mike McShane, yeah. who you would just... recognize as as Fire Tuck and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And, and but actually, you've seen him on. Um, he did a Seinfeld. The way I met him was he did a Seinfeld episode. Um, um, in the backwards episode, he played FDR, Franklin Delano Romanowski, and he was just hilarious. And he also always was on uh, Brotherly Love, that show. Was he? Yeah, he was the mechanic, the big okay. mechanic guy. And he was, all, and he was also in Office Space as well. He plays the hypnotist. Yeah. Yes, who dies with the heart attack. Yeah. And he's absolutely hilarious. And great guy and a great voice artist. I think he missed like the final episode because he was doing a play in England. Mm. But his voices are all throughout the episode. I think he has scenes with himself in a certain point where he's doing two or three voices and he was just uh, he was just wonderful Kid in the Helmet was Kid another the helmet. Gets another mention. this is uh, my Thank you. favorite action sequence in anything I've ever been involved with and again it doesn't uh, say much because we never really have action the music the music is just incredible going back to a Jim Venable because he really kept things moving and sort of those weird instrumentations I like and this, real the action smile. movie I just can't stay mad at that monkey. <laughs> um, so the steps of making a cartoon after it's written, we, we would sit down and, and, and do a read, like essentially with an audience. We'd have people in the audience. Chiefly it was the network execs who were reading or listening to the read. But we were able to bring in other people and stuff, friends who we knew would laugh at the stuff. Because um, network people never laugh. Even if they love it, they don't laugh. And we'd sit all, you know, at a table kind of like this and just read through the script. Can they see this table? Yeah, I think there, there's video. So if you can't see it, there's a long table. If you and can't, it's a lovely antique wooden table. There's a chip and nail, and we're all sitting down very large chairs. In smoking jackets. But uh, after the read, once it kind of got approved, then it moves on to Then we Chris. record it. Yeah. Well, we it moves on to, Well, we record it. Well, I'm sorry. I was watching this moment. I was waiting for, uh, I put in a little bit here. That reveals that the co-pilot's gay. Not be gay, especially when you're... See, he's kind of surprised. <laughs> right. over suspiciously. And by the way, the voice of the pilot is Brian Cranston, who right. had been... Who's now on... He was in he Seinfeld. He was the dentist, the dentist on Seinfeld, now, he's, now he's huge. He's the dad on Malcolm in the Middle. Right. right. And uh, and he would tell us about that show, and we, we were, were like, like whatever, right. Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> see ya. Malcolm will be canceled, we'd yeah, say. we'll see you when we're on our third season. We'll see ya, <laughs> sucker. yourself. <laughs> Wow. Okay, but back to making the show. You wrote the script. So after we after we write and after we sat down and do the reading and then we do the record, then stuff. Well, goes from the to record, you. Right, then we we, we would tape. tape. We would tape everything, and then we would edit the tape so that there was a voice track basically, and it was all the performances edited together. Um, 
And then basically, Chris? And then, that, then what happens is I would sit down with the storyboard artist, and we would go over each line reading and talk about the staging, where the camera would be placed, um, and how they would draw the performances of characters. And they literally draw the entire movie out like a giant comic book or comic strip. Um, gosh, I don't know, something probably like um, 600 drawings, 700 drawings per show. <laughs> Some longer, especially the more action, the more they move, the, more, the longer they were. Right, and then, um, then once that's complete, then we'd get together with Kevin and Dave again and just review it and maybe uh, decide on another and camera and Mosier and go over camera angles and uh, review new, uh, new sets and character designs. And every character and every prop has to be designed because it's an animated show. Yeah, we always show. got these huge packets of, of drawings. And of, you of would get like a hundred. Like yeah, you get a hundred Patrick Swayze's and a hundred suitcases also. Mm. Mm. And uh, and then a hundred notes on the hundred suitcases. <laughs> <and> the <laughs> we were very hands on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know this horse is great, but is it in the clerk style? I don't know. Who's playing that song. Trying to get a song from the Dirty Dancing. Well, we couldn't get. We wanted originally. We wanted um, Patrick Swayze. At, on, on one point, we wanted. She's like, she's like the wind. Like the wind. And for this, the closing, we wanted uh, time. You know, I've had the time. But of my since life. Patrick didn't like the idea of us doing this, the Dirty Dancing people I love said this no. Title card. <laughs> the title cards always look incredible for the science says. So this one only makes sense if you had seen them all, but this right. one never aired anyway. And this is your big Godfather homage. Yes, which uh, I was very happy about. This is uh, the Santino beating up uh, Carlo, which is my favorite scene. After he's beaten up Connie and Santino gets angry. If you, if you pop this onto a, another uh, TV or DV, if you pop in this and, and The Godfather and go frame by frame. It's almost exact. <laughs> it's almost exact. Even with the fake punch that uh, the, the punch that misses. That misses. Exactly. That's a, it's a very specific blooper in The Godfather. We captured it exactly. And then I guess that's the last science says tag of the. Yeah, that, yeah, that was it. We we only did those three. We tried to write one more. We never got it With right. The, the Jewish the prejudice one. one. The prejudice yeah. one. Because there's that great PSA um, that the uh, Church of Jesus Christ and Latter Day Saints used to do. That was uh, a grandfather and his grandson in right. a boat. And going, Daddy, what's it? Oh, Grandpa, what's prejudice? I, well, and he's like, Where'd you hear that? He's like, Well, my my Jewish. My Jewish friend. No, it's like, Well, Kenny told me that. Who's Kenny? My Jewish friend. My Jewish friend. He goes, Well, that's well, that's why you're prejudiced because you think of him as your Jewish friend and not just your friend. <laughs> Come back for episode four.